Hmm, so what's happening in the Balkans? I mean, in blockchain, in the Balkans. I have no idea, but I think I have to talk with Luca about that. Welcome to a new episode of Blockchain from the Block. Luca, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, we're in the Balkans, right? Yes, exactly. You're from the Balkans, aren't you? Yes, I am. And I just remembered we don't introduce ourselves. <laughs> I'm Ioan Brezik Brkan, IBB, and I have no idea about blockchain. That's what I'm learning about in this podcast. And with me is... Luka Sucic of Eternity and Eternity Ventures for quite some years in the blockchain space. So the Balkans, this is our region. Yeah. I think we've traveled all across. I'm sure you have. I mean, not even the Balkans. You've, you've driven from Poland to Croatia probably like... 100 times, 200 times, yeah. he, he's laughing a bit, <laughs> just yeah. so you know. Yeah, that's one of the things that um, people know that I do. I travel a lot and I prefer to drive, especially in the Balkans because the airplane connections are horrible. And uh, Is that something we can solve with blockchain? I'm afraid not. Maybe ah, if somebody me. ties teleportation with blockchain, but first Ooh. you need to invent teleportation. Tired of ideas. But yeah, I mean, uh, I do travel a lot uh, and I first traveled with Hubram, um, and then later with all of my, basically, ventures later on. And I actually visited all of the countries in the Balkans at least two times per year. So what's the state of blockchain in, in the region, in the countries? Because, I mean, like you, I've been to and Slovenia and Romania and Bulgaria, and like the startup ecosystems, the tech ecosystems are usually completely different. It's very unfortunate, I think, that tech enthusiasts and entrepreneurs from, for example, I know, Croatia don't know about Nordos from Serbia, and it's a neighboring country, right? It's the same with Lima Sotobili in Slovenia, etc., etc. Is it the same situation with with blockchain? Where's the system currently in the region? I think it's a little bit better than the startup space because... Oh, thank God. <laughs> I mean, the main thing is that, so startups started much, much earlier. If a remember. long time ago. No, I mean, in the, in, the, in the region, I think it was 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010, when the whole thing started kind of booming. And I think in the blockchain space, we are somewhere around 2008, 2009 in the startup space. So what you have that's is... That's really early. Yeah. I mean, that's when nobody knew what they were doing. So, so that's the, the, the... Yeah, I would say so. I mean, with the, with the big differences, because all of these people had... A lot of experience in the business in the startups so people who are right now building products or offering services in and around blockchain and cryptocurrencies are usually coming from the tech space so they have this experience uh, from before tech companies and startups that they can build on top so they know that um, you know connecting uh, with neighboring countries and neighboring um, um, like initiatives is crucial for the growth of your own ecosystem. So are we talking like serial entrepreneurs? Because again, one of the biggest challenges has been that we have most of the entrepreneurs that we have, most of the products are like from first time. Let me give you an example. So basically uh, one really cool company, uh, um, an event. Events are a very good way to kind of check the pulse of an ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So when... Uh, during the whole bull run in 2017 and 2018, there were so many events, Croatia, Bulgaria, Serbia, Romania, in and around crypto that you couldn't count them. And then it slowed down a little bit because of the you know, deflation of the market a little bit, but still some remained. The most 
resilient or the most the, the ones who are of the biggest quality, I think, remain. Let me give you an example of a very nice collaboration. It's a collaboration between Bulgaria and Croatia. You have a very cool conference uh, in Croatia organized by a very small group of people, but very potent, very kind of enthusiastic. They know their business quite well. I'm talking about a block split conference. Last year, I was on their first conference, and this is one of the best conferences, blockchain-related conferences, that I attended in 2018 and attended, I think, in maybe 15 uh, conferences uh, in that year. The significant part of the speakers were from neighboring countries. They had speakers from the outside. They had really impressive uh, speaker list, but they started and extended their relationship, for example, to Bulgaria, which I'm connected to because Eternity, is, Eternity Ventures is uh, focused there. So basically, ever since then, they had, I think, two or three speakers, George Espasso from LimeChain, I think some other people also from the, from the scene, and they just kept coming. And they extended the relationship with uh, Blotch, another conference in Chakovets, which is a little bit more focused to developers and a little bit more smaller, but again, uh, specialized. So all these kind of things extended the collaboration and it goes on uh, beyond that there was a lot of people coming from serbia there was a lot of people from slovenia i think half of the um attendees and the startups were from slovenia so there is a lot of really good and I'm guessing, unity a little bit and i'm guessing that the interest from slovenia came because the bitcoin interest there was also very big because of bitstamp and everything so the community is always always interested in blockchain as well, right? Yeah, I mean, they, they started a little bit uh, earlier than the rest of the countries. And you're, you're absolutely right. Bitstamp started in 2012. Not a lot of people um, you know, started back in 2012. I mean, 2012, you had maybe 20 or 30 exchanges you know, worldwide. And basically, Slovenia profited significantly from this. And I was hoping that because of Bitstamp, you know, the whole region of the Balkans will kind of pick up quite, quite fast. It did, but not to the full extent that I expected. So Slovenia uh, had a really big boom of, one on one hand, talent. On another hand, let's say potential uh, from the companies that were uh, in, in token sales that were happening in Slovenia, which kind of overflow a little bit to Croatia, to Serbia, very little in Bosnia, Montenegro. Um, but it kind of made an impact because you know it's a similar culture similar language similar you know networking and similar network in, in general people collaborate and talk quite a lot there is just to come back to the main point there is a lot of goodwill and a lot of you know this feeling of unity between the companies and startups and people organizers of events organizers of workshops different kinds of things in the balkans but it's still far off from a structured approach. I'll give you an example. Uh, last year, we did something called the Balkan ICO Express. So it was an initiative from uh, UBIC, the Blockchain Association in Croatia, Blockchain Think Tank from Slovenia, and Blockchain Association, Bitcoin Association of Serbia. We kind of gathered all three organizations and we did a, you know, a startup pitch, a classical startup pitch just for companies doing a token sale and ICOs. And it was, it was super successful. It was a bunch of people. It was packed full with uh, people and kind of show the tone of the conversation happening here in the Balkans. You know, you don't have, you have multiple organizations talking to push the agenda in different ways. You have many initiatives. You have uh, the blockchain hub that is happening right now. It's an association of basically 
couple of lobbyists, not, not lobbyists, but let's say um, interest groups. Interest, so people who have a vested interest in you know seeing the blockchain you know agenda being furthered in the Europe, and we started in Slovenia. And I know that a lot of people from the whole region, including Romania, Bulgaria, Montenegro, kind of joined the, the whole initiative. And, and the, the whole angle is to, to, let's say, lobby and show the governments, corporates, people that blockchain, in a lot of cases, makes sense. That if they can utilize it, they can basically jump far ahead. Far ahead, exactly. And I mean, when you mention corporates and governments, is, it, is blockchain being used currently in the Balkans? in these organizations yeah i mean because it's not something that you look into the media i mean even if i look at where we get pitches and information about what's happening with blockchain it's very few and far between most entrepreneurs are either trying to like do it uh, under the radar or the the public is not interested as i mean is not interested isn't aware of where the topic can can go I mean, this is something that led to this podcast as well. We want to discover what's happening with blockchain in the in the Balkans, right? It's this is the topic of the damn project. But in a lot of ways, it seems like is it is it just under radar still? You need to understand that you know the the major breakthroughs in let's say public adoption or public understanding of this happened in the last one or two years, and I think this whole deflation and removal of the hype cycles. And, you know, the, the, the collective greed helped a lot in this. So it helped. That's our next podcast, by the way, collective <laughs> greed. We're bad. The, the main issue here is that there is a lot of pilots. I know that there is a lot of, there is several pilot projects uh, happening um, in the region, but none publicly available with public information. I know that there is a project that... It's doing something with uh, stray dogs and collecting the, the IDs from the microchips um, embedded in the dogs and then putting them in the blockchain so it can track, it can be tracked easily. And I think it was in Varna, I'm not sure. You have an example here of like large corporations experimenting with blockchain. For example, Deloitte just uh, won a tender of the municipality of Zagreb of implementing a certain blockchain projects here in Zagreb. I'm still not sure what's, uh, what's the exact project there, but there is a lot of things happening there. In Serbia also. Slovenia, I mean, there's the regulation that was um, passed there. There is a lot of really good things. The main point here is when you talk about governments is regulation. So if the regulatory framework is good, the startups and projects thrive. If it's restrictive, then it basically backs off. What's happening right now is kind of a, you know, back and forth, like wave and tides um, in the sea. So in Croatia, there is this initiative around AML, I mean, anti-money laundering, that kind of very awkwardly touched the blockchain and cryptocurrencies and effectively scared a lot of people that were planning to build something like this. Then you have Slovenia, which for a long time didn't have a current regulation, not current, but didn't have, let's say, a lot of things solved. And then all of a sudden they created, the, they, they passed the law that uh, regulates, taxates a lot of things. So it's kind of two steps forward, one step back. 
uh, situation, but the things things are moving. There is a lot of a lot of movement in this space for sure. Do you think that blockchain enthusiasts can collaborate on on making it easy for each other in these countries? Because like if we look at some other areas, for example, like Uber coming to the region, it's like, like there you see the the really different, com completely different approach in each country when a new disruptor comes in. For so, for example, in in Croatia, it was very uh, disruptive, but did end up changing and really like promoting those kinds of digital services, uh, liberating the taxi market, so and so on. Slovenia was a bit too small for them. In Serbia, like people are protesting for and against an Uber-like service. Is 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 it the same going to happen with blockchain? Are we going 100%. to see like one hundred Look, the, the, the main issue is that everybody forgets and everybody's looking at blockchain either from a, from a technological perspective or, or from a currency perspective. This is wrong in, in, in many ways, mainly because it's indistinguishable. Blockchain cannot live without functioning without cryptocurrencies and vice versa. What this gives you is something that defies a lot of... Um, Boxes. <laughs> exactly. But look... Um, The main point here is that you will have someone uh, from the government trying to regulate what you can or cannot do in blockchain. And blockchain, by default, by definition, is something which is censorship resistant, immutable, and trustless. So I'll give an example from the, one of the creation laws. You have an anti-money laundering scheme, which is a good thing to have because it prevents a lot of bad things. But it is trying to be introduced in Croatia in a bad way because what they say is if there is a suspicion on money laundering within a certain transaction, even if it's a cryptocurrency transaction, it needs to be freezed for 72 hours, which which is absurd in blockchain because you know transactions in, 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 in cryptocurrencies are irreversible in majority of vast majority of the cases this basically effectively bans any kind of usage of cryptocurrencies although it's at the same time in some other law <clears throat> accepting them or regulating them so you have a lot of inconsistencies there but there is one big disruptive element in in, in the things i'll give you a couple of examples from the real world in the balkans you have something called the mosaic of relationship here in Croatia, which is an open data initiative, which creates a link, visualization link between the politically exposed persons and corporate entities of any sort. It can create a very rudimentary graph of connections. If you apply blockchain to this, if you can label it, if you can crowdsource the data all around, if you know, for example, for a fact that a certain politician or a certain publicly exposed person uses cryptocurrency and you can identify its wallet, you can do wonders here. And this is one of the things... Which is very important for the freedom of speech and transparency and so on. Exactly. There's many, many things that can be done here. But I think that we're still in the dial-up phase of the, the mm. cryptocurrencies and blockchain. Do you think that some of our listeners don't know what you mean by when you say dial-up? I think. I think it's, it's like... You do the... <laughs> for all of you that, that was born... I think after 1989 or something like this. So it was a old way of connecting to the internet where you would basically press a button and uh, then it would use your phone line. Which you couldn't use. Exactly. While you're you would block line. it for your parents. And then it would, you know, produce 
a lot of weird noises to connect. But to you're the connected to the World Wide Web, and <laughs> then your grandma comes in and disconnects you. But yeah, is is that the state that early? I think it is. I I, I strong I I honestly believe that this is the the current stage of the blockchain space right now. Because if, for those of you who remember, this was the days before, let's say before surfing in the internet without the graphical browser, without um, Chrome or without Safari. So browsing in a textual way, you would request something and you would get only text, no pictures, no videos, no nothing. At least it's not WAP. <laughs> exactly. It's a little bit like WAP. Oh God. So like old school. Google WAP, please. So, so that's the, I, I think that we need to build a lot of infrastructure, a lot of services, a lot of microservices, a lot of like support mechanisms and support structures before we can really start building really cool stuff around it. And I'll give you an example that why I think that opportunities that lie in blockchain, especially for the Balkans, are super important. One of the countries that uh, was famous for the fastest average speed of internet for a long time in Europe, and I gave this as an example whenever I, I had a pitch or something like this, is I would ask the audience to tell me which country in Europe has the fastest speed of the internet. They would usually quote Germany, Germany Sweden, Finland, la la la. And it was actually Romania. And it was Romania for one simple reason is because they jumped over old systems. They didn't have dial-up. They didn't have all these old school, old technologies. They didn't spend tons of money on legacy systems. They jumped directly on copper, directly on optics. And they started, you know, accelerating. That's why, I don't know, you, you can purchase for 20 euros, 250 megabits connections in uh, Romania, in most of the country. I think if we look at it from this perspective, and if we build the systems, and if we jump over the, 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 the things that are non-existent, for example, public voting on any purpose, I don't know, uh, if you're gonna, on one square uh, uh, children playground or plant trees, any kind of system that votes, if you utilize blockchain, even for a, maybe insignificant uh, purpose, it can grow into a significant application of sorts. And since in the region, one of the things that we're famous for is corruption. Another thing that we're famous for is balkanization, you know, many, many small clans. <laughs> so I think by utilizing some of the technologies that blockchain uh, brings, we can kind of bridge that. Uh, we can leap forward like exactly. what we ended with. Exactly. So I think there's tremendous potential here. And I think that despite all of the things, all of the negative thoughts and all of the clouds that we think that it is over this. That's also a very thing, I have to yeah, say. Yeah, I know. Everything's bad and bad, but actually there is potential here. There because is, we can go from there and yeah. do a lot more. I think, um, I think if we play our cards right, in the next 10 years, we can build the infrastructure that will follow us in the next 20 years. One example, just a small example, to a continent of Africa. One of the most advanced fintech, commercial fintech areas is Africa. Why? You know, exactly the same example that I showed you in uh, Bulgarian, a uh, Romanian example. They don't have basic infrastructure, so banking there is very, very rudiment was very rudimentary. They couldn't create a brick and, brick and mortar um, outlet for a bank. So they started with something um, called Mpesa, which is mobile banking. So SMS their mobile, so well. exactly. So their mobile phone became their bank, the uh, uh, IBAN, bank account. 
so they can transfer money super fast in a super fast way using only a simple mobile phone like the dumb phone nokia 3310 just by sending an sms if you take that example and if you apply it to our logic and our technology and the the, the the thing that we're talking right now i think we have tremendous opportunities yeah if we look at it that way we can definitely use blockchain as an infrastructure to create very interesting projects and like really create a lot of interesting topics also to cover in the podcast right absolutely awesome um, i'm looking forward to that one definitely Okay, guys, so hope you have a blockchain project building on this infrastructure. Uh, if you have any suggestions or questions, tweet us and find us on social media. This was uh, IBB and Luca. Thank you for listening. Thank you for Keep listening. Keep on listening to Blockchain from the Block uh, in the future. Share, like, and subscribe to our newsletter. See you soon.